Welcome to the 1720 Podcast. Have you ever asked questions like, what is the purpose of Christianity? Why do millions of children die each year and God does nothing about it? And why a good God would create a world where some members of some societies will never know Jesus and in theory go to hell? Last week, we met Will Riddle, pastor of Gateway City Church. That interview was almost two and a half hours long, so we broke it up into a couple of podcasts. If you have not checked out the first podcast in this series, go check it out now. In this, the second podcast, we explore some of the hardest questions posed to the Christian church by non-Christians. So let's dive in. Dream. Believe. Achieve. When you are ready to level up 1720, the podcast for next level Christians. All right, so I, I tell you what uh, most people would want to do if they had a pastor at their disposal, and I do because we've locked all the doors and uh, you can't get out. Uh, they would want to ask the really hard questions of life, mm-hmm. but I'm very poor at uh, at articulating the hard questions. So I spent a good portion of today going across the internet and finding people who do a phenomenal job of articulating hard questions. Yeah, and I picked a couple that I think uh, are 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 pretty representative of what society is getting tripped on. Where most on. people are? Yeah. Sure. Um, it, one of the guys that we're going to look at is a guy named Sam Harris. He, he's written a series of books that sort of dismantle religion, but he sees religion as a major, major issue. Um, and uh, he's got millions and millions of hits on YouTube. I, I, I It bothers me a little bit um, that whenever I look out on the internet and I see these guys, I don't see very good responses. But our hope is is that this will become a little bit of a resource for our listeners, um, and and help them be able to deal with these kinds of questions. And so, so this is not to say that if you're a Christian that you should ha- that you necessarily have to have this stuff on lockdown either. Maybe no. these are your own questions no. that you've had. I would say if you're a Christian and you have doubt, uh, what I would tell people is that uh, that's okay. Yeah, uh, God isn't afraid of your doubts. Yeah, He's bigger than your doubts. If your if your doubts lie strictly like on God, that's okay. God, God can handle that. Don't filter your doubts about God based on what you've experienced in the church, because the church is 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 full of people. It's led by people, and uh, and people and people people make mistakes. I always said that if I always yeah. said that if people would stop acting like people, leading a church would be easy. Let's go sure. ahead and let's dig into our first question. Again, this is Sam Harris. Okay, the whole point of Christianity, or so it is imagined, is to safeguard the eternal well-being of human souls. And so, so with my experience in that, in terms of in terms of the sole purpose of Christianity is is just to is to safeguard people's souls for eternity. Um, you know, I gave I gave my life to Christ when I was twenty years old. I became a Christian at twenty years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's just say, just for easy math, if I if I live till I'm eighty and I, my life comes to an end at the age of eighty, I need to know that those sixty years that I've spent on this earth are, are about more than just waiting on death and eternity. Right. I've got, to, there's, there's got to be some purpose for my life during the time that I'm here on earth. If heaven is all that I have to hope for, well then what do these 60 years that I've got from the time I gave my life to Jesus to the time I, uh, my life come like, what's the point? Yeah. It's essentially this, this this calling to go and make a difference in this world. Right. Go and make a difference in the lives of people that you come in contact with. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, and, and ultimately that's, I think, you know, that's the, that's the purpose of Christianity. Whenever you come into a knowing relationship with God, whenever you begin to have a personal relationship with God, the way you see things, the way you see people, the way you see situations, the way you see your life, the way you see your past, the way you see your future, it's going to change. In the message version of the Bible, the way that Eugene Peterson writes it, he says that he said, your eyes become focused and clear the way that God ultimately wants you to see things. The argument he was making there was that our so that Christianity only focuses really that that puts an that puts an that puts a, a focus solely on on the vertical, my relationship with God. It exists, uh, but if the vertical if my vertical relationship with God doesn't affect my horizontal life here on earth, yeah, I, I'm missing it. So on to number two, which is a a hard one. Nine million children die every year before they reach the age of five. Wow. It's 20, 24,000 children a day, 1,000 an hour, 17 or so a minute. That means before I can get to the end of this sentence, some few children, very likely, will have died in terror and agony. Okay, but according to Dr. Craig, this is all part of God's plan. Any God who would allow children by the millions to suffer and die in this way, and their parents to grieve in this way, either can do nothing to help them, or doesn't care to. He is therefore either impotent or evil. Mm. That's hard. That's pretty that's a pretty damning statement. That's hard. No pun intended. Yeah, that's I mean like there there's no way around that. That that's a that's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, to wrap your mind around nine million children under the age of five dying every single year. It's crazy. Um, there's there's nothing about that, that that can and I think that's I think that's the important thing to say is that there's nothing about that. There's nothing anyone can say about that 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 just makes you okay with that. That's right. And and I th- and I think I think too many times I think I think people are looking to to Christianity. They look at Christianity going, well, um, you know, well, well, what do you got to say to that? Like, it's it's, it's hard to have anything to say to that. Um, but um, but then the then the very next statement is is yeah, but what's your God doing about it? Exactly, and um and again I would say and so for this I would also say too that um uh, I think if I if I'm not mistaken he actually even goes on to he even goes on to 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 make the claim that that God visits this on people. He does actually that, that, that God causes these things. Yeah, that's right. And uh and that's um you know that's that's simply not that's simply not accurate. <laughs> The tragedy here is not that God has not saved five, nine million children. Sure. The tragedy is, is that we have not saved nine million children. Right. That's the tragedy. God doesn't visit that on people. No, he set up the game originally yeah. where there was no we're, we're, death, no, no, right. no suffering, no, no pain. Suffering, no pain. Um, the, the bottom line is, is, is that because, because of the disobedience um, of people, um, you know, not long after the creation of of the world, um, uh, it, it 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 put our world in a state of brokenness. It so, put our it put our world and it put people in a state in a state of in a state of brokenness. Yeah, but some some would say, yeah, but God really. I mean, what did He do? He put He put a choice. He put He put He put this thing in the garden and said, "Don't touch it." This is the worst thing you could do to any human baby on the planet. Now, now that's that's their point of view. My point of view, uh, which is, uh, yeah, but that that introduced choice. It did. If that did not exist, there was no choice. Right. So the fact that they chose the wrong thing, okay, fine. 
but there, but that had to exist for choice to exist. Absolutely. So you couldn't pretend like you gave Adam free choice and then not give him a choice to make. Right. Right. So there's two things there. God, Adam had to have free will. Sure. But there also had to be a choice in which yeah. he could exercise said free will. Sure. And so, uh, so the free will equation. Yeah, it's hard to give people free will if you don't give them a chance to exercise. That's it. right. Because yeah, it's not. It's just false free will. Yeah. Right. So, so it's not that God put a game in place that He knew Adam would lose. He put a game in place that was necessary in order for Adam to even have free will in the first place. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't that He established this game for Adam to lose. He establishes quote to use the phrase. He establishes game for Adam to choose. Yeah. Let me tell you the game God really set up, and and I think this is really. Sort of, sort of difficult for these guys to swallow because they would love to lay the problems in the world on an all-powerful God that should just fix it. And they abdicate their own responsibility in that. So let me tell you the real game God set up. God put, let's say, a thousand people on a spaceship, and on that spaceship he gave, he, he provided enough uh, food, sunlight, things to do, happiness, all kinds of fun stuff, right? He just, for he, everyone to be satisfied. For everyone to be satisfied. Yeah. Everyone's heart's desire was available to them on that spaceship. Sure. God says, here it all is for you. I love you with all my heart. Locks the door, sends them off on their way. They go out into the space for a couple of thousand. Oh, he also gave them free will. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want a bunch of robots. Right. So he, gave them, he gives them free will. They go off into space. They come back a thousand years later. And it turns out two people are ruling the entire place. They have everything and, no, and everybody else has nothing. Sure. And the whole group looks at God and said, "Would you screwed us. Yeah. But he didn't. Right. He gave you everything that was necessary. We have everything that's necessary on this planet mm-hmm. to save those those children. We do. But we are not doing it. So I, so I love these guys. Yeah. Because these guys would say, well, let's toss God out because clearly God's the problem right. here. Right. That's just not true. Yeah, I I can't I can't um uh I can't toss God out because I'm I'm up to my eyeballs eyeballs in debt. That, that that was my choice. That was yeah. God did God didn't make me do make a lot of poor decisions uh, financially. Um, that that was my choice. That was my ignorance. And um, and so no, we can't toss God out because tragedy happens in the world. Um, uh, we again, it's the result of living in a broken and a fallen world. Bad things happen. Um, some things worse than others. Um, and when a kid dies, it's always tragic. Now, let me let me uh, add always. But again, I go back to what we said earlier is that is that God's response to that really was the what he established to to bring hope to the world, to bring healing to the world, to bring compassion to the was was the church. We can do a better job. No doubt about it. We can do a better job. Are we doing a better job today than we were yesterday? I think so. But we can't we can't just sit content with that. Um, I think I think we I think we need to strive as the church and you know and not just my church but every church the, like the big the capital C church I think we always need to be striving for to identify ways to to meet the needs because you know I'm to meet the needs of people and um, let me ask you this I, so this is the other piece of his argument that I think uh, never really makes the headlines could you imagine a world what kind of debauchery would exist. In a world where nothing could ever go wrong, uh, no. Again, it, it just man, and if and if everybody was like that, it just creates a level of chaos. That's... He he paints a he paints he, he sets up this false false world, right? The straw man world in mm-hmm. which God comes in and solves everything. Yeah, and acts as though that would be better than the world we have today. And yeah. my only argument is I don't think he's right at all. I think the reality of it is it would probably be even worse, and there would be a lot of real problems, deep seated 
really ridiculously weird problems. Well, it's it's all it's almost the uh, it, you know to you know uh, if, if you if you look at uh, the movie the movie uh, was it Bruce Almighty? Yeah, where 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 where, <laughs> where, where God Morgan Freeman. Gave, I think I think I think God actually has Morgan Freeman's voice. It, man, it, it's either that or Brian Houston from Hillsong Church in, in Australia. It could go either uh, yeah. way. When, when I feel like I hear the audible voice of God, I, I want it's it, always it's Morgan I, Freeman. I want it. Well, I want it to be Brian Houston, you know, <laughs> which, is, which is essentially the, the I'm sure he'll the, appreciate the, that. The, the, the voice of Bruce the Shark from Finding Nemo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, fish are friends. But, uh, but, uh, yes, but, they are. Yeah, but, they, but you know, you look, you look at, the, you look at the, you know, the movie Bruce Almighty. You know, if, if I can, if I can use that as an illustration. Illustration, you know, uh, you know, whenever you know, God gave God gave Jim Carrey the character, you know, he played played play, play the character of Bruce, you know, all of his power. Yeah, you can be God for a day or however long it was, and um, and in dealing with all of the prayers that came in, he just yes. said yes to everything. Yeah, and what did it create? It created chaos. That's right. It created chaos. Yeah, this idea that independent of of a God, independent of a, a third party morality that we can sort of latch ourselves onto, I find it very interesting that he would argue that we would come up with something better, <laughs> and yeah. and and that's sort of the false narrative, right? To say, look at all the problems with the system today, and then never actually articulate a system that would produce a better outcome, right? And, and so I would sort of argue, given the nature of people. Given the hoarding of resources, given the way that we, as Americans, and I hate to p- pick on us, but we consume mm-hmm. at, at a much higher rate, yeah, uh, with a lot less concern for the environment. I'm not an environmentalist per se; I'm more right. of a capitalist. But that neither. But that being said, we do these things, and then we turn around and go, "Well, God, why aren't you fixing all of our problems?" Right. We can fix our own problems. We just don't. And that no, I, I would agree with you on that. And, and, and taking God out of it but, is not going to suddenly make us all no, suddenly and, go. Oh, well, now that God's gone, you know, I guess it's going to be all on us. I guess yeah, we have to do it. And not to and not to belittle the the comment that he was making about you know nine million children every year under the age of five. Die, I, man, that's that's tragic. I, but, it, but it is tragic. But but there is enough resources on this planet but, where none of those kids have to die. But where, where God where, where he would say is like like God, what are you doing about that? God says, my church. Yeah, what are you doing about it? My church. And so, really, it's not—it's not like—it's not, like, not on us to go. God, what are you doing about it? God says, "I did something about it. I gave you everything you need to solve I this problem. I did something about it. I established my church to be the hope of the world." And uh, and and so, to me, it's, it's not so much that he's arguing against Christianity. He's literally just trying to do whatever he knows he can do to try to make a difference. So, for all the atheists out there. And if this is the guy they're going to listen to, I say go for it, right? Yeah. Like if he if he can talk all those guys into helping those nine million kids, hey, we're doing our part. We're trying to talk to our own church into doing it. If sure. he would do it for the rest of the world, I'm all for it. But yeah. I don't think one has to tear down the other necessarily, no. right? And, and that and that's for me. Like I like I don't ever want to take this because here's the thing: um, I can't hold people to I can't hold people to my standard as a Christian if you're not a Christian. Oh my God! You know, so that's a whole nother podcast. It, it is, it but is. but that is that is the number one failing of the church right now. They think the rules of Christianity apply to people who are not yet Christians, right? And that's just not true. No, I know. Like whenever whenever Paul wrote, whenever Paul wrote, you know, you know, you don't need to associate with you know with drunkards and whoremongers and you know and you know he people are like yeah no you don't need to hang out with those people. And Paul's like, and, and literally, but the but the people that Paul were writing to, people Paul was saying like no. Like the people outside of the church, the people outside of our faith that are living that lifestyle, no, go be with them. 
but the people within the church who claim to follow Jesus, but they're still living that lifestyle of drunkenness, whoremongering. He says, those are the people you need to stay away from. They at least need to be trying to get better. Yeah, you need to stay away from those people. So people that are living that lifestyle, but yet claim to follow Jesus, stay away from them. Yeah, because there's they're not. So, so, and there's something, there's a big yeah, inconsistency there. Yeah, but Paul is basically saying, he's saying, listen, he said like, um, you can't hold non-Christians to Christian standards. That's just not right. That's right. It's not right. Okay, so I, will, I could talk about that one all night long. I could too. Let's go with uh, video number three. Numero trace. Most of these people, many of these people certainly, will be going to hell because they're praying to the wrong God. Okay, through no fault of their own, they were born into the wrong culture where they got the wrong theology and they missed the revelation. You will be tortured in hell for eternity. Now, is there the slightest evidence for this? No. It just says so in Mark 9 and Matthew 13 and Revelation 14. So God created the cultural isolation of the Hindus. He engineered the circumstance of their deaths in ignorance of Revelation. And then he created the penalty for this ignorance, which is an eternity of conscious torment in fire. Okay, on the other hand, on Dr. Craig's account, your run-of-the-mill serial killer in America, okay, who, who spent his life raping and torturing children, need only come to God, come to Jesus on death row, and after a final meal of fried chicken, he's going to spend an eternity in heaven after death. Wow, that's a heck of a setup. That is. And it is a setup. That that argument is constructed in a very specific way, um, and and there's a lot of presuppositions in there that he doesn't he, that he takes as fact. Yeah, and one of the big ones is that God set up this game uh, and basically made it so these guys would go to hell. Yeah, you know that's a that's a lot. Um, and and the idea that God and, and and just I think the phrase that he uses that is that he created this isolated culture. That's right. And um and then he created the punishment, uh, which just let's let's be really really clear: the punishment was created long before quote unquote isolated cultures. The punishment was established long before the cultures were established, and uh, and God did not set up. God set up one really clear culture that that people through disobedience messed it all up. Yeah, the culture that God set up was yeah. found in the Garden of Eden. Absolutely. And it was a pretty rocking place. Was, First of all, all was, the chicks were nude, which <laughs> I got to tell you. Uh, yeah, literally like God's good, in, good good call. God's instruction, God's instruction to Adam and Eve, you know, if I can paraphrase scripture was run around naked and have babies. I what like literally I I got to tell you I, that would be to me, yeah, I'm okay with that's it. paradise. I'm okay with it. That's paradise. And so, uh, and, I, and it and women, it didn't hurt. So, yeah, like there was the no childbirth pain. was no big no deal. Pain. Yeah. And so, so like you know, so so the idea that God created created this culture, um, uh, it's you know, from, no. from, from the Christian perspective and from biblical studying studying the Bible uh, is is not accurate. That's not what God did at all. Um, God did not. God did not want this for His people. Yeah, so 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 let me give you the counter argument to that, which because because if we if we don't address the counter argument, then we're really being a little um, disingenuous. Sure, the counter argument that is, yeah, but he knew it was going to happen. He knew it was going to happen, 
way back before he even created Adam. He was well aware of what Adam's choice would be. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, in, in Genesis, in Genesis three, I mean, whenever you, you read about the fall and you read about the disobedience and the sin and sin entering the world through Adam and Eve, God already set up his plan to, for Jesus to come into the world. You know, it's why, it's why, you know, in Genesis three, where, you know, he writes, you know, in terms of the serpent, you know, that, uh, that, you know, that, you know, uh, that, you know, one will come where you'll strike his heel, but he'll crush your head. Right. In Genesis three, he's already referring to, to, to Jesus entering into, entering into the world. So, I mean, he's already set up his plan for Jesus to come. Um, well, so, I, so you're right. And, and I just want to play that. I want to play his, his, his scenario out. So his sure. scenario is, yeah, but he could have skipped all that. If he had skipped all that, then you're going to skip, you're going to skip free will for sure. Right. You, oh, you you can't skip that without free will. Yeah. That well, you can't you can't not skip it and have right. free will. Sure. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Right? Uh, you can't not skip it and have free will. So so if he skips it, free will's out. Yes. In other words, you could have skipped all this pain and suffering, all this in the middle stuff, and just gone straight to everybody being saved. You're absolutely right. Uh, he could have not given Adam a choice. Therefore, he could have given him free will and no choice, or he could have not given free will and a choice. Either way, the result would be everyone would be saved. The problem is, is that there would be no free will. And I'm Every, telling you, he doesn't be, want that God. And that's what cracks me up. No, everybody would be saved, yes, but it would be no one's choice. Yeah. Th- there, therefore, it wouldn't be love. I, dude, I know. It'd be there, to a totalitarian, totalitarian it, it, government. It would, it would be, you love me because you have no other choice but to love me. Yeah, God the dictator. Ooh. Absolutely. And, and, that, that's, and, and again, we see how dictatorships work out. Yeah, and and who wants to be a part of that? And and yeah. and, and but here again, keeps arguing for it. So I, so let me just summarize because I really like what you said there, which is we created this group of people called India who yes. are isolated. Yeah, whenever God set up, whenever God set up the world at creation, there was no India. There was that's there, right. There, there was no there was no Egypt. There was no Africa. There was no North America, South America. It, there was none of that. Um, now, all are, of those things came on the back half. Now, anyone who re- reads the Bible right now will probably go, yeah, but what about the Tower of Babylon, right? We all had, clearly again, God struck again. them down and gave them different languages again, and sent them to the four corners of the he, earth. He did, but it was because, it was because, it was because people had come together and decided they didn't need God. Right. People had come together and said, you know what? We can do all of these things. There's nothing Which, in this world we cannot accomplish. Uh, and they and, mm, and they abdicated themselves from the, from the need of a God. Love that because, okay, so so let's assume that society continues on. God doesn't split them all up. They all sure. have the same language forever. They reach, the, uh, reach their uh, conclusion that we don't need God. It's your spaceship idea. Yeah, well, th- so they reach the conclusion that they don't need God. There's nothing that's happened to, to counteract that. Right. They all go to hell. Everyone loses. Yeah. Everyone loses. Yeah, that would have been the outcome of of God not intervening at the at the Tower of Babylon. So, yeah, he acts out of love yet again, mm-hmm. and it intervenes in a timeline mm-hmm. and splits us all up, giving us essentially a couple more centuries to figure this crap out right. before we all wind up in hell. Yeah, uh, and again, not a hell that he created as a result, but as an alternative place to go other than following him. In other words, a place we could choose. Yeah. That wasn't going to be God. And by the way, if both places are awomeness, yes, then What's then there the is point? no choice. There's no point. Yeah, there's no again, choice. Again, and 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 again, and and this is and this is semantics. I know, but you know, but even uh, and I know the Bible refers to hell as you know lake of fire, and it very well may be that. It it may be. It may. But, but you're talking about a bunch of people who are really struggling to 
I, how do you? Yeah. Let, let me put it this way. But how bottom, do you describe timelessness? You can't. You like can't. you just got to find but, words. But, but essentially, essentially, um, essentially. But but to me, like it, it may very well be, you know, the proverbial lake of fire, you know, torture. But to me, I, I think, I think what I think what hell. And again, this is this is this is just opinion. Yep. Uh, there's this is opinion. But to me, you know, uh, hell is it's just eternal separation from God, from God who breathed life into you with no access to Him at all. Which is going to feel a lot like it's, a fire, it, a hell, a it's, torture. It's going to create this burning and this longing in your soul that can never be satisfied. Can you imagine being outside the window of the most awesome party ever, and you can't get in? Oh, and worse. Knowing you can't get in because you won't even let yourself in because right. you know you don't your, deserve to be there. And, and, and listen, and, and again, and then I, 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 lay, I lay on this in terms of just my faith is that um, this is, again, this, this goes to free will. This goes to choice. Um, God sent Jesus into the world uh, to, be, to be a sacrifice and to pay the penalty for our, failure, for our failures, for our mistakes, for our sin. And here and Jesus willingly gave up his life just in case we chose him. I, again, I think just in he, case the story of God and it's his relationship with man is a story of second chance. Oh, second chance, absolutely. third chance, fourth chance, fifth when Jesus, chance. When Jesus gave his life on the cross. He did so without any guarantee that anyone would place their faith in him. That's right. And 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 listen, and any God that in any God that will give up his own son just in case somebody may choose to follow him without any guarantee that it will happen. That's that's a that's a God, that's a God of of love. Yeah, let me let me also because uh, I wouldn't give up my son. Let me. Let, I'm going to add one other thing to this guy's argument before we move on to the next question, and that sure. is, that there's a paradox for him, and that paradox is he doesn't believe in a life after death. As a result, death is the ultimate worst case scenario, yeah. because he doesn't believe in a post death life. Sure. So death is a worst case scenario, and um, I, this is this is going to sound if you, this is hard to even say, but it is true. Uh, Biblically, those children are five are in heaven right now. Uh, according, yeah, because there is there because yeah because there is an there is an age of accountability yep. where you know uh, you know you have to you know children children you know they can't they just don't know they don't know they don't know so 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 those and they are not yet of an age where they can make a decision for themselves because they because there's they don't know if they if they died and Tara. Terror, 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 terror. Got to get southern and, on it. Yeah, and pain, as he suggested. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are rejoicing with God right now and having the most amazing party that has ever been had. And what what gets me is because we know that death is not the worst case scenario, right? In some ways, if you are in pain or you are struggling. Uh, if you if you have a painful disease or your life is going to be nothing but as these children probably were a most miserable experience for me yeah I got to tell you 
they're living a better life now. It's better now than it was. It's better now than it was. Now, in his opinion, that's not possible because death is the worst possible case. Right. What's interesting about the Christian point of view that most of these guys don't get is they always consider death the worst case scenario. And what I'm trying to tell you is, is that as a Christian, and I know this is extremely listen, difficult. Listen, listen, the death of nine million children under the, five years over, under the under whatever age is terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. But but it's terrible. It might be worse than death. Would be life. Yeah, but but it's terrible from our point of view because we consider it a loss. We consider those children not being with us and the grandchildren they would produce and the life they would sure. have and the laughter they would bring to We're our household. We're the ones that grieve. We're the ones that grieve. Yeah. But I'm telling you, and I know this is impossible and very difficult, but it is the hope that is in Christ. Those children are rocking it right now. They're okay. They're okay. And I know that. I know that's now, so now, now, hard now, to hear. It, it does, and, and the reason it's hard for us, to, and the reason it's hard for us to hear, is because that may not comfort us. Yeah, death is a curse on the living. It always yes. has been. It always it, has it, been. It, it may not. It like that. The it's the reason it's hard for us to wrap our minds around it is because them. It just doesn't bring us comfort. That's right. And and we we've, we if we could just take if we could just if we could just take our focus off of ourselves for a moment. That's right. And go wait. Hold on. Wait wow. a second. Wow. Okay. So that's yeah. let's go to video four because we do have seven of these. <laughs> oh wow, seven. Okay. They get shorter. <laughs> But when someone like myself points out the rather obvious and compelling evidence that God is cruel and unjust because he visits suffering on innocent people Mm. of a scope and scale that would would embarrass the most ambitious psychopath, we're told that God is mysterious. I don't think he's mysterious. Who can understand God's will? And yet this is precisely, this merely human understanding of God's will is precisely what believers use to establish his goodness in the first place. You know, something good happens to a Christian. Some, he feels some bliss while praying, say, or he sees some positive change in his life, and we're told that God is good. Okay, but when children by the tens of thousands are torn from their parents' arms and drowned, we're told that God is mysterious. This is how you play tennis without the net. Okay, so so what I so so I, what I like about this and what he does here that's really good, <laughs> if you're going to make an argument, sure. is he says, "Look, the same assurance you give me that God is who He says He is, and then you immediately turn around and say, yeah, but then sometimes we don't understand Him.' Right. So if you don't understand Him, then how can I have any faith in what you say you're sure of? Fair enough, because I think this whole mystery of God thing has been a little overplayed by people who just didn't who didn't have the heart, quite frankly, to look into the heart, look into the eyes of someone else and say, Your son is with the Lord now, and he's doing better than he would have been with you. Right. That's an incredibly difficult thing to say to anybody. And I to be honest, I don't know that I could say it. No. So, so I, I'll just be really clear about that. In, in in my time as a pastor, uh, you know, I've sadly I've 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 sat with people and I've pastored people through moments. Uh, of of extreme grief and difficulty and and uh, and and very and what I've learned in in my years of doing that is uh is very often what brings comfort isn't what you say it's what you don't say right it's just it's just the presence it's just being present with people sure because there's nothing I can say that's going to make someone feel better about about a tragedy right and so it's not my job to try to explain it away. It's just my job to be there. Well, and in that moment, 
I don't think there is an explanation that's going to make it okay. You're in great great grief yeah, is point point in case. Yeah, grief or case is, in point. Yeah, grief is powerful, and to to go in with simple answers and you just can't. And and so I think it's okay that if you say, "Look, I can't explain to you right now why God did." What, it, first of all, he didn't. So that's the second argument. So the first argument is we lean back on God is mysterious and there's unknowable things. I would argue that in reality, I think there's unrevealed things. I don't think that there's any mystery. I don't think, in other words, I don't think God acts in an illogical way. I think there is portions of the puzzle that we don't see. And therefore I have to say, well, I don't know yet because I haven't seen all the picture. Right. And I, and I think it's also important to recognize and and to understand is that um, if, if I can understand everything about God, if I can understand everything about the way he works, what he allows, what he does, well then if I can wrap my if I can wrap my mind around every ounce of who he is and what he does and how he does it, then I don't necessarily want to serve or worship a God that I can fully understand because I'm not that smart. And and if I can wrap my mind around everything, then then you're you're not that big of a god. Yeah, and let me let me just add too. So this same guy, right, who's science, facts, blah blah blah. Okay, from and we covered this a while back, this idea of Newtonian physics versus quantum sure. physics and what's going on there. Uh, I got to tell you, Newtonian physics was all about facts. There were one plus one equals two, but as it turns out, we kept we kept increasing the magnification. <laughs> Right, And the more we magnified the universe, the more we realized that we don't fundamentally understand a whole crapload of stuff. Absolutely. So it's a little unfair for him to say, believe in my facts, right. believe in this understanding over here mm-hmm. that I have total understanding of, uh, but not you. Now, here, right. here's the next thing he would say, because uh, I've, I've watched some of his other arguments. He would say, yeah, but we in science have no dogma and we self-correct. Religion has dogma and refuses to self-correct. I think that that is false. I think there are certainly things in religion, God is good, God is love, so on and so forth. There are some absolute pillars that we will agree with. But God is also just. Yeah, and and and, and we and through revelation in our own lives and through revelation through the Bible and through the revelation of time, our understanding the way we think about God is not the same as 16th century. Sure. It's just not. Yeah. And to say that we haven't evolved and that we're not evolving on the edges of sure. of our religion is 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 crap. Now it's absolutely true on the core of our religion, God is Almighty, God is timeless. No, we definitely have we definitely have uh, in regards in regard to Christianity, in regard to faith. Yeah, there are definitely just like just uh, just intrinsic core values that we just we're not going to come off of. Yep. But but you know, but but yeah, th- there are things on the edges that God is continuously like molding and shaping and refining. Yep. Um and uh and so so no, I, I would I'm I'm different now at 40 years old than I was at 20 years old. I'm not the follower of Jesus that I want to be. But I'm and, and wouldn't it have been unfair for him to take a snapshot of your understanding of Jesus at 20 and say, "Okay, well this is it. This is this this is the definition absolutely. of God." Absolutely. Yeah, it's that's it's to it's it's unfair. Yeah, it's totally unfair. I also think it's really unfair to to discount unlike science which has a book of facts that exist and you go look at these book of facts that exist and we can all get the book and look at it. We can print up the book and make copies of the book and we can all look at the book and those facts will mean the same thing to each reader. The holy word of God 
Scripture is the living Word of God. Sure. When I read it, I'm going to get something different out of it. Again, mm-hmm. within the constructs of who God is. Sure. Right, but I'm going to get something. God is going to literally use that scripture to speak where to me. Where you are in life is different than where I am in life. So God's going to use that portion of scripture to guide you and shape you and direct you in in whatever season of life that you're in, whatever you're facing at the moment. In the same way that He might use the same portion of scripture to guide me in a particular way, you know, based on a based on a different set of circumstances that I'm walking through. So this idea that we would that we're static in our religion, our understanding of God, I think is really just it it, it it's not true. Yeah. Uh, likewise, so so given that we're not static, so let's we we'll take out that that argument that we're dogmatic and we're static and nothing's changing. That's not true. I think some people are. Um, I, I think some people are, but <laughs> but 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 here's the thing. But I, but we can no matter what your worldview is, I can find people in every fa- in every worldview. I know that are that are hard and fast. We're not moving off of this, and I can wait. We can also find people that are going. You know what? I'm pliable. I'm moldable. I'm continuously growing and I'm continuously changing. And I've got new thoughts and I've got new perspectives based on life experience. So you can, so, 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 so the idea that this is what Christians are, this is what people are. Will and I really enjoyed putting this podcast together. If you enjoy this kind of content, be sure to hit that subscribe button and don't forget to leave us a review at iTunes or Google play. Each positive review helps get this content into the hands of someone who may not normally see it. Also, subscribe to our newsletter over at 1720.org and like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash 1720.org. See you next week.